Hold your Bibles up. Say, this is God's Word, is God's word. Not, man's word. not man's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear God's Word. I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just share your word. I pray that you will anoint my lips, my mind, and my thoughts so that I can communicate the oracles of God to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, we are continuing our series on relationships. Everybody say relationships. Now, last week, we discussed you and your pastor. And we learned that the pastor over a church has five basic responsibilities. And those five responsibilities was, first, to provide for the sheep. Everybody say provide. The second thing a pastor should do is to perfect the sheep. Everybody say perfect. The third thing is to preside over or guide. Everybody say preside. The fourth one is to protect the sheep. Everybody say protect. And then number five, the pastor is responsible for praying over the sheep. Everybody say pray. All right. Now today we're going to do something different. I am going to now look at the five responsibilities of a sheep. Amen. I told you what my role was last week. Well, this week I want to show you what your role is. And even if you're not a member of Word of Truth Family Church, you can take these five things if you are a member of a church, and you can go and implement these five things wherever you go to church. Amen? Amen. Now I want you to quickly turn your Bibles to the book of Psalm, chapter 78. Psalm 78. And while you're doing that, last week we defined a pastor as a person, a, a, a pastor is a natural and or spiritual person who guides, governs, and guards a flock. That's what a pastor is. A pastor is a person who guides, governs, and guards a flock. Now, Psalm 78, uh, chapter 78, if you there, say I am. All right, we're going to look in verse 70 this morning. Now, we covered this verse last week, but I wanted to recover it today. It says in verse 70, it's talking about God. It says, God chose David, also his servant, and took him from where? Took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, the great with young, and he brought him to feed who? Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance, verse 72. So David fed them according to the what? Integrity of his heart, and he guided them how? By the skillfulness of his hands. Here's the point I want to make. In this situation, God took David from the sheepfold and made him a shepherd. So that tells me before David was a shepherd, he was a sheep. Amen? Say this with me. Say, before David was a shepherd, he was a sheep. Now, all throughout the Bible, you're going to see that God refers his people to sheep. Now, why sheep? I don't know. But he always refers his people to sheep. And so this morning, I want to show you that each one of us are not only sheep, but he sees us as members of the body. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're visiting, pastor's going to give you probably about 20 scriptures this morning. But we still going to get out on time. Amen? Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. 
we still going to get out on time. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's look at verse 18. Because as sheep or members, we are part of a body who has been placed there by God. See, church is not just man's made idea. Church is God's way of bringing his people together. And one of the things that God has done, he has chosen each and every one of us and has set us where he wanted us to be. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, and let's look in verse 18. It says this, and I'm reading out of the King James. But now has God set the members, every one of them, where? In the body as it pleased them. As it pleased who? As it pleased him. Watch this. That means that when God puts me where he wants me, it's not up to me. Now, God has given us the privilege to pray where we want to go to church. But really, we should pray and go by his leading. Because God has a place and a house for everybody who's in the body of Christ. Can you say amen to that? So listen, it says that God has set forth every member in the body as it pleased who? Him. Now, the word set there, if you're taking notes, it means ordained and appointed. So that means God has appointed every member of the body a set place. Now, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I have a set place. Now, turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 12, because every member of the body of Christ, if you are a believer, you have a calling and a gift to do something in and for that body. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter if you are a new Christian or if you are old Christian. God has a place and a calling for everybody who's part of the body of Christ. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 12. And I want you to look in verse 4. If you're there, say I am. All right, I'm not there. All right, let's look in verse 4. It says, for as we have many members in one body... And all members have not what? The same office. If you jump down in verse number 6, it says, Those members having then gifts differing according to the grace that was given. So I want you to see something here. God has given everybody in the church a gift and he has a call for you. Now, I'm going to show you that if you don't allow yourself to be perfected by the pastor that God has put in your life, then you're going to delay some of the gifts and the callings that's in your life. Now, I want you to turn real quickly to Jeremiah chapter 3. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't have to go there because I'll, I'll, I'll quote it for you. But here's the first responsibility of a sheep, and you want to write this down if you're taking notes. The first responsibility of a member is to allow themselves to be teachable. Everybody say, I must. Allow myself to be teachable. Now, God has put in every pastor, watch this, he's put the ability in every pastor, the ability to feed you. Do you know God knows what kind of food you like? Now, that's why if you notice, most pastors, in fact, all pastors are different. Nobody has the same style. Now, sometimes we want to copy somebody. And if you want to copy somebody, that's fine. But if you're copying somebody, who's being you? Amen. Now, believe it or not, although I don't hoop and I don't sweat, somebody still want to hear me. Amen. All right. But I want you to see something here. The first responsibility that you have as a member is that you have to allow yourself to be teachable. Now, Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors after my own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge 
and with understanding. So my job is to feed you with knowledge and feed you with understanding about God's word and about his way. And what's going to happen is you now have to get in a position to be taught. Now, let's just take it into grammar school. Now, I know there are some of y'all in here, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of us didn't pass the grade on the first time. Some of us flunk. Y'all know what flunking means, don't you? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, because, and you really shouldn't be ashamed because you still pass. Amen. But since some of us in our learning experience, some of us flunk, and we didn't flunk because we didn't know how to do it. We flunk because we skipped school. How many of y'all skipped school growing up? Let me see your hand. Uh, I know some of y'all. There's too many people in here just to have two and four, three in your hand now. Somebody lying in here. But some of us, we didn't go to the next level. It's not because we didn't have the brain power. It's because we didn't sit to be taught. And this principle right here, being teachable, is not something that somebody else can do for you. It's something that you have to do. Amen? Now listen, uh, Turn your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 2 because I'm going to give you the process of learning. Colossians chapter 2, there is a process that you have to put in place to learn or you're not going to learn. Now, I remember I used to be one of those people in school that I used to joke and play around a lot. I used to, get, I used to be the one that used to get notes sent home. Or See, back in the day when I was growing up, we got paddlings. Now, I might be showing my age, but I tell you what, that wood paddle sure did help some. See, and some of our kids these days, that's what's wrong with them. Junior don't need no, no Vicodin or no, what that stuff they give them? They don't need no Ritalin. They need a whooping. Amen. Amen. Wasn't no Ritalin growing up. My mama came up to the school and, you, yeah, I'm going to rid him out of that. Colossians chapter 2, what verse did I say? I didn't say it. All right, let's look in verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. This is what it says here. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus, therefore uh, the Lord, so walk you in him, verse 7, rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been what? As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You cannot abound in anything you have not been taught about. Now, let me give you the process of learning very quickly. In order for us to learn something, the first thing that needs to happen is we need a revelation. Everybody say, we need a revelation. Now, what's a revelation? A revelation is nothing but an understanding at your level of comprehension. That just means that when I'm done, you ought to at least understand what I'm saying. Now, a lot of us have grown up in churches where he died. He died. Come on now. I know y'all came out of traditional. Come on now. He died. There you go. Come on, let's try that one more again. He died. Okay, yeah, there we go. But see, we didn't learn nothing else. That's all we know. He died. Well, well, <laughs> well but see, it takes more to know that he died. My question is, what else did he do for me? Amen. Now, one of the first things we need is we need a revelation, which is an understanding of your level of comprehension, which means if you notice in school, they didn't preach you your ABCs. Come on now. How many in here, when you were in school, they actually preached your ABCs? Let me see your hand. One person. That's why you're still in school. 
I mean, can you imagine sitting in class and your teacher just busts out and say, oh, we're going to learn about our ABCs. Somebody say A. Come on, B, C. That ain't how we learn. And so if you're going to learn something, you need to be taught. Amen? So you need a revelation. Everybody say revelation. Number two, you need saturation. Now, saturation involves repetition. See, remember when you were learning your multiplication and you were saying them over and over and over again? You know what you were doing? You were actually using the learning process to help you understand. And repetition is something that you need when you're taught. And that's why sometimes you come to a church and you might hear the same thing. You know why? Because none of us got our multiplications right on the first try. If you did, let me see your hand. Uh-huh. So we got a couple of hands. All right, good. Y'all some Einsteins in here. But in the most cases, you don't learn on the first try. And that's why sometimes you have to hear something over and over again. But the third thing we must do, we must then meditate. Everybody say meditate. Now, have you remember going up and you were learning something and you sat in your bed and you started talking, you know, and thinking about what your test was and thinking about what was on the test? See, what you're doing is you're meditating on that. You're learning, and that's the way we learn the Bible. And then the fourth thing we did is that transformation then takes place. In other words, now that information you just learned, it now begins to change your life. And then the last thing is activation because the Word of God is no good until you start what? doing it. So those are the five things we need to learn. But here's one of the key things that I feel that we need to do as believers to watch this, to be taught, and that is to be humble. Do you know nobody can teach you something you don't think you don't know? Now, my little daughter, she ain't in here because if she did, she would be mad at me for sharing this. So don't tell her I said this. But heaven has this favorite saying, and you know what it is? I know. I hate that. And after, well, I know. Well, if you know, why are you asking me? Well, many of us are just like that spiritually. We know. Can I tell you how you can know if you really know? If you're doing it. See, you don't know the word until you're doing the word. And many of us, we think we know it. Now, here's the difference. Head knowledge knows it from the head and don't do it. Heart knowledge knows it from the heart and does it. So when it's in your head, guess what? You're not going to do it. But when it's in your heart, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. So listen to this. We need to first become teachable. Number two, this is your responsibility as a member, is that a member must allow themselves to be perfected. Now, I'm about to share something with you that I discovered this week. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I learned this, and this is so powerful, because so many people have been hurt in churches, and you know what? They end up shipwrecked and stop going to church because Sister Jezebel hurt them. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, as a member, your job is to allow yourself to be perfected. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look in verse 11. If you dare say, I am. All right. And it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for what? For the perfecting of the saints so that the saints can do what? Do the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I want you to see this. I want you to listen to this. God has put a man of God or a pastor in your life, and one of the roles of that pastor is to perfect you. Now, that word perfect comes from a word cartizo. Everybody say cartizo. 
Now, what's very powerful about that word, many of us don't know that some of our healings are being delayed because we're not involved in the work of God. Now, I'm going to show you that this morning. Turn real quickly over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, because God has work for every member in the body to do. 1 Corinthians 15. You may be here at Word of Truth Family Church, and it, you call it your church, but my question to you is, are you involved? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's look in verse 58. All right, this is what it says. I'm reading out of King James this morning. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast. What's the next word? Unmovable. What's the next word? Always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is what? Not in vain. God has called every person who is a believer to do some work. But see, many of us are not involved in the work. And many of us, we got, we got out of the game or we got out of the, 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 the ministry of doing work because somebody injured us. Now, just think of football. When you get hurt, what they do? They take you off the field. They put you on the sideline. And then they look to see what's wrong with you. Now, if you've really been injured, what they going to do? They're going to take you out on the stretcher, and then whatever is necessary at that point they do, if they take x-rays, whatever they do, they put ice on you, or they give you a shot, whatever. But something is done, but they don't take you off the team just because you got hurt. And some of us have gotten off the team because we got hurt. Now, I'm going to show you that once you stop working in the kingdom, then you right there at that point stop, and you start delaying your healing. Now, turn over to Hebrews. Let me show you that. Go over to Hebrews chapter, uh, I tell you what, yeah, go to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews 13, because if we're not perfected, and that word perfected, I'm going to show you what that, word, what that word perfected means in another verse, Hebrews 13, and let's look in verse 20, it's okay, baby, all right, now watch this, now the God of peace, I'm in verse 20, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, watch verse 21, make you what? Make you what? Perfect. That word perfect comes from the same foundational word that we read over there, perfect. Watch what it says. Makes you perfect how? Notice it says, in every good work. Now let me help you with something. That word perfect there, when you define it, it means to mend to repair and to re restore. It means to mend, repair, and restore. You say, well, Pastor, why is that, why is that important? Because watch this. Notice it says here, I'm going to read that again, but I'm going to read the definition of it in there. God will make you perfect. He will restore you. He will mend you while you're involved in every good work. Now, watch this. Keep your hand there, and I want you to go over to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Because I'm going to show you that word perfect again, but it's a different English word. Go to Galatians. Keep your hand there because we're coming back. Go to Galatians chapter 6. And let's look at this word perfect. Because if you can understand this word, you'll get back in the game if you got out. And if you're in the game, you won't get out. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. Are you there? Say, I am. All right. It says, brethren, if any man be overtaken, what? In a fault, you who are what? Spiritual, do what? Restore such a one. Watch this. That word restore is the same word perfect. 
Listen to what I'm saying. That same word perfect that we read over in Hebrews, this word restore is the same word. So what God is saying, let's go back over to Hebrews. This is what God is saying in Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus is going to make you perfect, is going to restore you, is going to heal you, is going to mend you while you're involved in every good work. And so you need to know why you don't need to get on the sideline because your healing is dependent on your involvement. Now watch this. Remember the story in the book of Matthew. You can write this down just for note purposes. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, and verse 21, the Bible says that Jesus ran across James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they were in their boat and they were mending their nets. Why were they mending their nets? They were mending their nets because their nets were broken. Well, the word mending over there in, in the book of Matthew is the same word perfect. So watch this. While I'm working in the work of God, God is mending me. But see, you know what most of us do? And if I don't get any other point, I want to get this point. Most of us, when something bad happens to us, what's the, what the devil, what's the first thing he want to do? What, okay, come on now. When you get hurt in church, let's just say uh, Mr. and Mrs. Usher, when they were seating you, didn't let you seat in your normal chair. And then gave you that ugly look, like, you're going to sit there. And it offended, it offended you. Or let's just say you were volunteering in an area, and one of the parents came to pick up their kids, and you just told the parent, uh, you know, Johnny just kind of had a tough day today. Well, what do you mean by Johnny having a tough kid today? Because you know how we get. See, when I was growing up, you was wrong if the teacher said you were. And you probably got a whooping for it. Nowadays, these parents, we all caught up in our kids, and we know their kids bad. We know our kids bad. But check this out. That they say, hey, guess what? Johnny had a tough day. What do you mean Johnny had a tough day? Well, he just wouldn't stay sitting down. So after five times, we just asked Johnny to go stand in the corner. Since she didn't want to sit down, we just had him to stand up in the corner. Well, I can't believe you did my son like that. And so you know what? You leave the church. But what you don't know is that once you exit the game, then the restoration process ends. And so that's why the devil, the first thing he does is to try to keep you from coming to church. Why? Because he knows that if you stay involved in the work of God, then your healing is right around the corner. I mean, God is like this. I, I was remember, remember when Brother Bill came to our church, those of you who are part of and, and he, he delivered that powerful word. And I had a, just a, you know how you can have a bad feeling inside? And you don't know what it's from. You, you might be mad, but you don't know what you're mad at. How many know what I'm talking about? All right, well, check this out. I was feeling like that and had been feeling like that for a while, but I couldn't put my hand on what it was. So we sitting up here and we worshiping and praising and then he preached. But at the end of service, what I felt was gone. And nobody laid hands on me. Nobody prayed for me. It dropped out of me because God said as long as Eben is involved in good works, I am going to restore him while he's doing that. And many of us, we stop the process. Why? Because we exit the game. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Have you exited the game? Now, let's look at number three because not only is it our responsibility to be teachable and not only is our responsibility to be perfected, another responsibility that we have is that we need to give to the work of ministry. 
Now, I'm giving you basic stuff. You know why? Because we're getting ready to move into a facility. Hello? Oh, so y'all want to stay here? Hold on. Y'all must want to stay here. This ain't our home. This is, a, this is the school auditorium. I don't want to be in here all my life. Y'all like toting this stuff in and out? Amen. Well, this week, we put together the contract for the building that we're going to buy. Now, of course, now listen. I'm just throwing this in there for free. How's that? Well, check this out. It may take two to three weeks just to get agreement with the contract. Because, see, the contract is where you negotiate the price. So this week, I need y'all praying, Lord, give us favor. Give us favor. Everybody say favor. All right. See, because, see, once you have favor, you don't need nothing else. See, favor can take you places money can't. See, the, the average institution would look at us and say, well, you're not two years old yet. We can't, we can't borrow you no money. But how do you know that if God be for you, who can be against you? I got a man right now calling me at least twice a week trying to find out, are we ready for some money? <laughs> now, when we get there, I'm like, okay, now you've been calling me. You need to deliver. Deliver, deliver. Okay, so listen, turn over real quick. I'm not even going to turn to that. I'm going to just quote it. While I'm doing that, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy 14, verse 29. Let me tell you what Malachi says. All of you all know it, especially if you're members here at Word of Truth. I've taught you this. But the Bible says that we are to bring all the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. So the purpose of your giving is to bring God meat in his house. You say, well, I didn't know God ate steak. He don't eat steak. But meat means work to do. Because if you notice over in the New Testament, Jesus said when, they, when he came to the well and they said, Jesus, you need to eat. He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He said, my meat is to do the will of my father. So listen, your money it helps the house of God. Let me tell you what I mean. Just like today when we have all these activities, that's your money. Amen. Now listen, pastor's on a salary, so I, I can, if you gave a million dollars, I can't take it. I'd like to. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, but I've been set a salary. But since, listen, many of us have been part of churches, and those churches, can y'all hear me? There we go. Many of us have been involved in traditional churches, and we had a building fund, but we never saw a building. Half of us didn't even know how much money the church made, period. Well, all you got to do is show up in February because we do that every year. Last year, our church did over $300,000 in 10 months. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you did a good job. All right. Let's look in Deuteronomy. What did I say? Deuteronomy what? Who? 14, 29. All right. If you're there, say I am. All right. Here's what I want to show you. When you obey God and you bring what is His, because most of us, we think we're doing God a favor when we bring our tithe in. That's His. That's just like you borrowing my car and you bringing it back and you want me to say thank you. It was my car. Amen. Watch verse 29. Let's look in verse 28. And the end of the year, three years, you shall bring forth how much of the tithe? All the tithe of your increase the same year, and you shall lay it up within the gates. And the Levite, who? 
The Levite. Now, the Levite in the, in the old days was the priest that God has allowed to serve over that, that tabernacle. And so, in this case, I'm the priest. But listen what it says. It says, and the Levite, because I'm reading out the Amplified, because he has no part of inheritance, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widows, which are in the gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied. Watch this. Because God never asks you to do something without blessing you. Notice what it says. And the Lord thy God shall, may do what? Bless you in what? All the work of your hands. See, even these things that I'm telling you that's your responsibility, God is so good because when we do our part, he still blesses us. And he's saying when you bring your money into the kingdom and that money is used to further the kingdom, he said it's going to bless the work of your hands. Now watch this. I thought this was real neat. We sponsored a family doing that whole Hurricane Katrina thing. We, we had just started the church, but God had really laid it on my heart to get a family and don't just give them temporary help, but to help them until they didn't need help anymore. Well, we pretty much helped them all the way until, watch this, I just got a phone call that they decided to move back to New Orleans. Now, I wasn't mad about that because we want to help them be what God wants them to be. But watch this, your money helped them to get have somewhere to stay, pay their electricity, pay their groceries, pay their car note. Watch this. And now bought the U-Haul to take them back to Louisiana. And I wish I could have heard, I, you know what, I should have saved the voicemail so you could hear it. Because he was so thankful for us to watch this, make a commitment like that to a family we didn't even know. See, it feels good to help people. And that's what your church ought to do. Your church ought to be helping people, Amen. Amen. Let's look at one more responsibility, and then we're going to close this morning. One more responsibility. This is the third response, or the fourth responsibility. I'm not going to keep going on the giving. The fourth one is that each member should reproduce other members. Now, turn over real quick to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll close with this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Many of us come to church, but we're not reproducing ourselves. Now, does it seem right for a shepherd to produce sheep? No, that's like a fish sleeping with a billy goat. What you going to get? A belly fish? I mean, come on now. Sheep beget sheep. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's look in verse 17. It said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what kind of creature? New creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new, and all things are of God. Watch this. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us what? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. That just means that God has ordained you to go and reconcile other people to him. In other words, God is expecting his children to go get other children. And I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you won somebody to Jesus? When was the last time you even witnessed to somebody? Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is he talking to you? Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you look like he is. How many of us, when was the last time you shared your... You say, now some of y'all using excuses. I'm going to help some of y'all right now. Some of y'all say, well, I don't know the Bible. Well, you don't have to know the Bible. All you got to know is what he did for you. Amen. He's done something for you, right? 
And so when I don't know what to say to somebody, all I do is I give them the testimony of what Christ has done in my life. Now, let me show you this. Go over to the book of Philemon, and we'll close with this verse, I promise you. Philemon, and that is a book in the Bible. Most people call him Philemon. Call him what you want. It's Philemon. Now, listen to this. Because, and this is a powerful point, when you share the gospel with others, it will produce a deeper understanding of what Christ has done for you as well as an appreciation of what Jesus has done for you. I'm going to say that again. When you share the gospel with others, it will produce a deeper understanding of what he's done for you and a greater appreciation. You know, because some of us, when was the last time you thanked God for salvation? Probably a long time ago. Watch this. Philemon, look at verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith or sharing your faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. When you begin to communicate your faith, what happens is it becomes effective. And it becomes effective because you're not just telling people what Christ did for your mama. You're telling them what he did for you. And you, watch what happens. Now your understanding of what he did comes deeper. See, I know now Christ did more than just die for my sins. You know what I know Christ did? Christ, because of his death. Now remember, in the book of Revelation, it says that the, the, the Bible says that the Lamb of God is still up there as he had been slain. That means when God sees Christ now, he sees that blood that was shed. But you know what that blood did for me? It opened up prosperity for my life. Do you know the Bible says that though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich? So really, we're supposed to be rich. Now, some of y'all may say, that's spiritual riches. That's spiritual. No, it's not, called, it's not spiritual riches. It's natural riches. You know why? Because you can't further the kingdom unless you got some money. Amen. Now, I'm believing God one day he's going to ask me to give away a million dollars. But in order for him to do that, I got to have some. Hello. So Listen. I'm going to give you the last responsibility, which is we need to be lovers, not fighters. Every member in the Bible, God has called us to love. The Bible says we will know that we are, they will know we are Christians by our love. And many of us, some of the people don't want to come in the kingdom because we all ugly. Treat each other bad. But I want you to know this morning, the Bible says God don't just love, he is love. That means if you poke God, if God was in the flesh and you poked him, blood wouldn't come out, love will. Because God is love. Well, my question to you this morning is, when was the last time you loved somebody that you know you don't love? Because the scripture says, love your enemies. Well, your enemy ain't going to know your Jesus until you can show them some love. And many of us, we're not showing the type of love that God has shown us. So I want to challenge you this morning. When you leave today... See, this type of message is for people who don't come to our church because, you know what, there's somebody sitting next to you right now who don't know who Jesus is. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you the one? Guess what? We're going to find out. I want everybody to stand up this morning. Were you blessed this morning? Good, good, good. Listen, one of the key points is this. Don't get out of the game because your restoration and healing is dependent on your work in the ministry. But there's somebody here with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to stand up if you would, if you can. There are some people here who 
have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you may not know what that means. That just means the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you shall be saved. And there are some people in this room, you're not really sure of your salvation, but I'm here to help you be sure about it. Because you don't want to die not knowing if you really are a believer. And so if you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. All I'm going to ask you is raise your hand at your seat. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm the only one that's looking. But the Bible said if you would acknowledge him before people, he will acknowledge you before his father. That's what Jesus said. So listen, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, if you don't know for sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven. I want you to just raise your hand right there at your seat because I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor Evan, I want you to pray for me because I need to be sure of my salvation. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. I want to make sure that I know that if I die, I want to go to heaven. I see your hand, young man. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand down at the bottom. Anybody else? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Maybe you're here today. And you're saved, but you know, your life, you got out of the game. You were involved in work of ministry, and for whatever reason, something happened, you got hurt, and you got out the game. But God is saying today, He needs your restoration process to continue, and for that to happen, you got to get back in the game. And if you're here today and you got out the game, and you want to recommit your life, and get back in the game. Get back in the work of ministry. Just right there at your seat, I want you to raise your hand right there. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get back in the game. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand here on the side. I see your hand, young man. I see your hand, ma'am, in the back. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Maybe you're here today and you're saved. You know you're saved. Your life is on track with God, but you know God is doing something different in your life. And it's time for you to change churches. Oh, it's time for you to come back to church. You may be not even going to church or you've been bouncing around and you know that this is your church home. Well, I want you to be bold and say, Pastor, I want to join Word of Truth today. I want to be a member and a partner of this church. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand just right there at your seat. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. I want to be a part. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? I want to... I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. This is your church. God is talking to you right now, saying this is your place. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand. Amen. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord, you said if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need salvation. Holy Spirit, come inside. Live in me. Rekindle my spirit so that I'm alive to God, so that I can hear him, so that I can fellowship with him. Now, Lord, I believe from this day forth that I'm a believer, that I'm going to go to heaven, and that Jesus' blood cleanses me from all sin. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, you know what? I want you to do something very bold. And there were a lot of you that raised your hand, but I want you to take the next step of faith. 
And I want you to come down here because we have some information.